busting out is really something you you look like you're about to play a world of warcraft or something yeah well i'm at the uh i'm at noah's dungeon studio dungeon studio so uh we're trying out some new technology i had some complaints uh we had some monsters with some complaints really nobody complained of last uh, (laughs) i'm not naming names but there was definitely uh some comments backing up my greatest fears um i don't know dude on the inner sanctum, but it's Most- really about my confidence. So if I'm not feeling confident about the way it's going to sound, I hold back. You know, I'm not sure how loud I should be. And uh, yeah. I'm no, like, most people were like, it's the singer, not the song that makes <laughs> the music move along, you know. <laughs> but, true. Uh, true enough. But uh, here we are another week. But, you know, everyone in your house is ill, which was yeah. Your, uh, for, uh, poor Aaron is upstairs, like spinning around in her own filth up and up in the bed. No uh, she, she got a positive flu test yesterday. Oh no. Yeah. Which means my positive flu test is shortly behind. Um, let, let me put this out for the monsters. Um, so last night I come up to go to bed and she's in bed and she's like, I don't want to get you sick. I'm like, we live in the same house. We breathe the same air. If I'm going to get sick, I'm going to get sick. She's like, I'm going to go downstairs and sleep on the couch. And I'm like, no, don't do that. You're sick. Stay in bed. I'll go pull out the thing uh, in the basement and sleep on that. And she's like, no, 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 I, I can't. I'm the only one that can sleep on the couch. I like to sleep on the couch. So she went and slept on the couch. Am I a bad person for allowing that to happen? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. At this stage in your life and relationship, she can make her own decisions. If she doesn't <laughs> want to do it, she'll just say, Mike, I'm not doing that. You're a schmuck, you know. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I would never suggest that she go down and sleep on the couch. But no. I was fine sleeping in bed. I'm like, I usually face the other direction. You know, there's circulation in there. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to get sick. My only hope is that I get sick like Thursday or Friday because this weekend we're supposed to go to that uh, couple's bachelor party in the Catskills. And Ooh. anything I can do to get out of that, including having the flu, would be fucking fantastic. Well, that sounds uh, like a lot of fun, sort of, or the start of a horror movie. It's terrible. I'm going to have to hang out with like um, a whole bunch of my wife's sister's fiance's friends who are all like 32 and they're all cops and uh, and jail guards, corrections officers. Jeez, so how are you going to drop the news like early on to like not come after you with the megaphone and like a tray of shots? Uh yeah, well, I'm old enough to be their dad, so I can just tell them, like, <laughs> kids, just leave leave grumpy Uncle Mark alone because uh, <laughs> gonna he's going to go out and take pictures of birds while you all sit here and do shots. Um, you just bring a copy of the Sunday New York Times, sit down, put your glasses on, and <laughs> Right. Like my dad. What's a four-letter word for, uh, you know, for alcoholic? What? Lush, I think. Um, I don't know. I just yeah. made that up off the top of my head. Did you? Yeah, not really. I wonder. Although what... here's a joke. Um, what do you get, what do you get when you mix a duck with a squirrel? What a nutcracker! Oh, um, yeah. Oh. So it's the end of the year, and uh, Ben and I were doing a science experiment for the end of school, 
and uh, we attempted to weigh a rainbow. Really? Tur- yeah. Turns out it was pretty light. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish I could find out what happened to my neighbor who couldn't pay his mortgage. Oh, yeah. You know, foreclosure. <laughs> yeah. The only cycling I'm doing this summer is between mania and depression. <laughs> Wrong one. Anyway, that sorry. Good- that's it. Why don't you start the show? And, and the, the painful joke part is over, Christine. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in the pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And I'm Mike, the nutcracker. Boy, we have a show for you. <laughs> Today on RMA, Nat and Mike return again for another week. <laughs> this is a review of addiction, recovery, entertainment. Stand back, be amazed as we discuss this time for sure, the Netflix documentary, Take Your Pills at All. And... Longtime friend of the show and monster to the stars. Who's joining me today? Alan. Alan, the wizened one. I Listen, call- stop oh, right there. Stop what? right there. What? I think it's wizened one. I was just thinking about this and you and I had this debate. So I've been saying wizened because I heard it on a British audiobook. Oh, like but you're probably they, take, right. they take whizzes. Right. <laughs> so it's possibly one of those things that has a different pronunciation across the pond. Wizened, the wizened one, the wizard of the Monsterverse, Alan, joins us today to catch up with me, the Monster. All this and more today on a very special edition of RMA. Hey, if two We're vegans back. get pissed off at each other, is it still called a beef? Yeah. Sorry, I left left that one to the end. Um, uh, yeah, Alan's got some long time. Yeah, you know what I mean, like he's he's been sober for like uh, 150 years or something. Yeah, he's going to tell you a bit about him, and he's just been such a, a huge addition to the uh, to the Rat Pack on the interstate. <laughs> uh, a lot of lot of sobriety, just uh, interesting. Uh, really, a lot of great thoughts. Uh, one of the great thinkers, you would say. Yeah, I mean, he came up uh, on the Lower East Side in Manhattan and had experiences like that. I, I don't know. You remember um, uh, Jeeva G, who we interviewed a few weeks ago from the Harry Krishna movement? Like, that was her scene down there, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, that whole, uh, so whole punk scene. And, yeah. You know, so I, I always love because I lived in that neighborhood for a while, but well after it was cool and, and started gentrifying. And, uh, so I always love hearing tales from the old guard of folks that lived down there when it was really like a war zone and kind of crazy town. So, yeah, it's I'm one of those times in history. Like sometimes I think about when the beat poets, um, like Allen Ginsberg and all those guys were just percolating, you know, those types of times. And, mm. and, and that I think about, it's almost mythological and yeah, one of those times, you know, I don't uh, think Alan's quite as old as uh, yeah. uh, Alan Ginsberg. There's so much rich, like, attic <laughs> art, you know, like, hip-hop history. There's so much, really, it's, like, basically the bleeding edge of uh, of popular culture. and uh, of The bleeding edge of popular culture. Certainly yeah. true about hip-hop in the 80s. <laughs> um, well, uh, welcome to all the monsters listening stateside, around the world, down the street, across the table, and right next door. Welcome all. Settle in, buckle up, and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, mystery, and so much more. Where can they find us, Mike? I haven't read that in a while. Wow. I mean, you surprised me with that. I am <laughs> completely unprepared to respond to that. Um, I would tell you to go to Recovery in the Middle Ages or MiddleAgesRecovery.com, but I don't think we have a website. Yes, we have a website. We have a website. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
is it is it middleagesrecovery.com? Middleagesrecovery.com. You can tell how often I go to the website. That's right. We visited Podbean, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and more. Oh. What? You should pull up the Podbean app. We got yeah. a review on Podbean. Really? Did you even know that was possible? Um, I thought it might be, but um, I don't have the app. Oh, you don't? Okay. Um, I go to the website. Well, actually, let me see. Um. Yeah, we've got a couple of, of nice reviews. Uh, you know, great reviews will be read on the air. Um, so if That's you could go to, go to Apple Podcasts app or I guess Podbean, uh, Spotify lets you review. Give us a great review. Five stars lets you go all the way. And <laughs> you can get on the air reading that review. So go ahead and do it. Podbean is a great app, but I have to say... I mean, it's a great uh, hosting platform, but I really have... Str- I, I found it. You want me to do it? Yes. So we got a okay. review. This is from Melissa Kay, who we may know from such places as Discord. She's the den mother of the monkey. <laughs> I don't know. You might want to clear that description with her. Uh, I cannot remember how I ran across RMA, but so thankful I did. was immediately hooked. I love the different recovery approaches discussed and the honest, witty banter of the hosts. A breath of fresh air compared to the strict suggestions I was previously taught. Suggestions, in quote. Love the Discord group. Feels like family. What are you doing? Um, somebody just joined the Discord, and they're all welcoming, welcoming him, and it just popped up on my phone. So I was like, oh, I'll send a picture while they're welcoming him. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Melissa. I appreciate the review. It's awesome. Uh, Melissa went out and wrote a review, and I'm sure if she was listening on... Apple iTunes, she would have given us five stars. So mm-hmm. why don't the rest of you for good people out there who are listening, go give us some stars. Yes. It doesn't cost anything really. Just sprinkle stars on your favorite podcast. Pixie dust. Sprinkle I'm in trouble getting my words out this morning. Mm-hmm. Someone st- stole my thesaurus. So I have no <laughs> words to describe how I feel. Thesaurus. That's the last one. That is it. <sighs> so um, kind of a kind of a nutty little weekend, huh? You were. Do you want to talk about going to the rock and roll festival with your oh, son man. for like an entire day and night? Yeah, I had one of the craziest weekends ever, and none of it had to do with work. Um, <clears throat> so usually, I get at least somewhat of a day to just kind of recharge, relax, maybe a couple of hours. So this weekend. We got, there's this band, Noah, who's 12, is starting to get into music, which I think was cool. Uh, and then I started to realize that it meant I'm going to have to start schlepping him to these concerts and things. Mm. Uh, but there's this band from England called Lovejoy that he like, he really, really likes this band. Um, and he's been showing me the music for the past, uh, I don't know, six months. And then when a show came up that they were playing, because they don't play a lot, he really wanted to see it. And... Mm. One time, you know, we said no the first time. We're like, no, 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 it's too soon. And, you know, there was a bunch of reasons. And then it came around at one of these music festivals. So I don't know if everyone knows these types of things. The rock festivals, it's sort of like holdovers from like Woodstock type stuff. It's a festival. It's all outside. There's I think people probably know what a rock yeah. festival is now. You'd be surprised. I was telling somebody the other day and they looked so confused. And so I had to sit there and describe they it. live in Oyster Bay yeah. probably. Yeah. So people here are very confused. Yeah. It's a three day festival. And, um, you know, so we got a ticket for him and it was supposed to be him, a friend and then me. And, uh, it turned out to just be me and Noah. So it was a lot of fun, but it was like, we took a train. It was right by the world's fair. Mm. You know, so it was like where there's MetLife Stadium 
and then there's uh, Arthur Ashe, you know, where the U.S. T- uh, Open happens. It's all, it's in this big field by the World's Fair, and there's three big stages, and it was just like people everywhere dressed up like it was some kind of weird rock rave. Like people wear these, like these outfits. Uh, Younger crowd or? Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all kids, you know, twelve years old till eighteen, and then their parents basically wow uh you know so but it was really cool it was just oh all day but it was really really (laughs) cool to see him getting his first uh, dose of the bands he likes and you know the uh the drinking was pretty crazy but it didn't get bad till later on you know from like 11 o'clock in the morning till about four or five o'clock it was totally you know it didn't bother me at all but you know, once the, the sun started to go down and the bigger bands were arriving, mm. I could feel it getting crazier. And like there was plumes of pot smoke everywhere type of thing. And so, uh, yeah, we got out of there at around, I think, like eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock. Had he uh, ever seen a live uh, band like that before? Well, the not really. He he says he doesn't count the Weird Al concert we went to. So if you don't count Weird Al playing uh, B sides and songs you've never heard of, <laughs> this is really his first band show. You know. So uh, when did Lovejoy come on? Were they like in the middle of the day, or did they? They were like come the third the band. So okay. we got there, you know, around the second band. We slept over to the uh, to the stage. And that was it. It was like, you know, they played 40 minutes maybe. And then it was like, okay, now what do we do? Right. (laughs) So we were just kind of checking out other bands. It was pretty cool. Um, My wife's cousin was working the merch table and her dad is like the head of security or something. Oh. He was driving us around. Man, you guys know everybody. You know, like the (laughs) fucking Turkish ambassador to get you into the White House. I mean, what the fuck? Like, you Uh, guys are connected up the ass. Yeah, well, I don't always love it. You know, sometimes you just want to, you know, I hate asking for favors and stuff like that. Some people are like, oh, just ask him to get VIP or something. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. Wow, VIP for Lovejoy. I um. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you probably meet him at the merch table. It's it's old Noah. I I got a, a notification from uh, uh that that theater in Port Washington yesterday that Henry Rollins is coming to do his st- uh, spoken word thing in right. um in like November. You know, he was the lead singer for Black Flag and you know. Yeah, other bands. I I don't. I vaguely remember some sort of controversy around him. I'm not sure why or what that's all about. So forgive me if I'm. You know, I always knew him as sort of like the the black flag frontman who then became a uh, social, you know, critic and uh, you know said some pretty cool shit. Um, Yeah, but I noticed the uh, the ticket prices on that were like thirty dollars, fifty dollars, but you could get a meet and greet with Henry Rollins for one hundred and sixty which didn't seem like a lot to me. Mm. And he would like, it's like picture with Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins will sign your boobs. No, he will sign your, your laminate, you know, like all this like stuff that you get. And I'm like, wow, Henry Rollins is cheap. Like $60. Like you try that thing with like the grateful dead or something. And it's like, uh, no, it's seven hundred, eight hundred $800. So, yeah, well that sounds about like the same rate we got for Anakin Skywalker. Um, Oh, no one wanted to go meet the guy who Hayden Christensen at some like oh yeah one of these comic cons which I have to go to eventually comic cons my next thing that I want to do that I never did yeah 170 bucks for Hayden Christensen like takes a picture with you sign something and I'm like no this is not going to be fun you're going to be disappointed and everything you want is going to cost an extra 50 bucks (laughs) uh, we'll go to one closer to home yeah. But that was a good time. He got a lot of merch. I got in trouble for buying too much merch. 
Yeah, so he got some band shirts, and uh, we made a memory out of it. Yeah, that's cool. I took uh, I took Ben to U two when they were at Nassau Coliseum like a couple years ago. Um, he he freaked out as soon as the the he was too young. He was like I don't know. He was probably like eight maybe or nine. Yeah. And as soon as they started, it was so loud. We were right on the side of the stage that he just like went running out into the hallway because of Nassau Coliseum because he's like the bass is making my heart funny. <laughs> So I, I, I brought a, uh, some noise-canceling yeah. headphones, so I stuck those on him, and I, I pressed uh, play on Europe 72, the dead album, and he went right to sleep. He <laughs> <laughs> slept through the whole show. And I, I brought him and Jack both to uh, Paul Simon oh, on his wow. last tour because I'm like, oh, someday maybe that'll be relevant to them in some way that they, they got to do yeah. that. But Yeah, it's loud. I mean, that's the thing about these shows, and even for the kids, like you can feel the kick drum from like 200 feet away from, you know, the stage. And so like, we didn't bring earplugs like schmucks. Cause I should have mm. known. I always bring earplugs to like rehearse with bands to see bands. So we yeah. did for some reason. And so in order to get up close, he really wanted to be close. We had to buy earplugs and they were like 30 bucks each. Of course. Wow. That's insane. But they're, yeah, they're nice. They came with the case. And everything. I guess when you know better, you do better. That's true. Sometimes doing better, though, depends on what tools are available to you. In your case, you had no tools available to you. You had to buy the tools, right, while you were there. As two men in recovery from alcohol use disorder, we know how difficult it can be to seek help for a disease that's so stigmatized. But if you're struggling to get sober, Soberlink can help. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system was specifically designed to help in your recovery, not just some breathalyzer you buy at the store. Small enough to fit in your pocket and discreet enough to use in public or in front of your kids hey, you could have used a Soberlink device in front of your kid at the rock show. But you guys yeah. didn't drive, right? We didn't drive. We took the train. But still, if I'm trying to prove, and let me tell you, I could have easily snuck off to one of the million bars and had a drink. So mm. what if I was in that situation where nobody believed me? Then I could do the little breathalyzer, carry it with me, and prove it. It's true. Because Soberlink devices combine facial recognition, tamper detection, so you couldn't, like, break it and say, hey, look, it's blowing a zero. Uh, and real-time results. So friends and family know instantly that you're sober and working towards your recovery goals. This system yes. would have been a game changer for Nat and I during early recovery when every bit of accountability helps. Damn right. Yeah, I can't think of a better tool for tracking and sharing progress or rebuilding trust and relationships. Make 2023 a memorable one. Visit www.soberlink.com middle hyphen ages to sign up and receive $50 off your device strong enough for a man and ph balance <laughs> for a woman soberlink uh, go to soberlink fill out the form read up about it and use the uh the magic word recovery hyphen ages and uh check it out they're a, a big sponsor they're the biggest sponsor we have <laughs> thank you soberlink check them out yeah yeah man yeah you know i also got a we also got a long email oh yeah this week, um, I, I sent you a screenshot of it. I'm not sure if this guy copied you. Do you want to hear some of it? Yeah. Is it? Um, what's that? Is it just like one of those Nigerian? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> this is a real one. Okay. Um, this is from, I'm going to call him. I'm going to call him Steve. Steve. <laughs> that's his name. Um, 
I can't read this whole thing. This is long. Uh, Mike and Nat, I've been sitting on this email for months now waiting for the perfect time to send it. Well, here I am finally getting around to letting you guys know how much you guys and the Monster Universe have helped me stay sober for almost a year and a half. Wow. Better late than never, or so they say. Year and a half. Okay. My story wouldn't be picked up for a documentary on recovery. In fact, I have no true horror stories to speak of, and I wouldn't say I hit what people usually think of as a rock bottom. I'll try to keep it brief as there's over 20 years to unpack in my journey to sobriety. I'll start at the end. The day I made the decision to stop drinking, December 26th, 2021. Yes, the day after Christmas. A Christmas where I woke up still drunk from Christmas Eve, quickly fixing myself an Irish coffee to make me right. Mm. A Christmas spent most of the day slugging 7% IPAs, switching to vodka mixed with Sunkiss Zero by myself, watching football in the basement, away from my family, um, side note, how many monsters out there laugh at how shitty their last drink was? All of us. All of us, yeah. <laughs> and finally, a Christmas where I was barking like a dog at my wife in the middle of the night. This is what I was told on December 26th, as I have no recollection of doing this. It was that morning I told my wife that I was going to stop drinking. And uh, it was more than the usual lip service I had paid her for the previous 10-ish years. I had a bad experience a couple of months prior to that Christmas, Halloween 2021. I was watching football and drinking all day, and when 6 p.m. rolled around, I realized I was way drunker than I planned to be for trick-or-treating. I was visibly and audibly shithouse going through the neighborhood with my kids, wife, and some friends. I felt like a piece of shit the next day and stealthily searched for ways to stop drinking, in incognito mode, of course, so my secret would never be revealed. Uh, something that came up in that search was Annie Grace's book, which I devoured in two days. Her message really resonated with me while I was in my vulnerable state, but I continued to drink for the next two months as I always had. When I made the decision to stop, I went back to this naked mind, which led me to her podcast, which led me to you guys. Um, and he goes on, and there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff in his story. Uh, maybe we could get into some of that uh, last time, but he leaves with a final question and a question that maybe we should address, mm. throw out to the audience, perhaps for, for follow-up okay. on a future show. I'll leave you with one final question. I get the sense that both of you view alcohol as complete poison with no beneficial qualities. That is how I view alcohol now. And I want to get on my soapbox to tell everyone I know the harm they're doing to themselves. How do you guys go about interacting with friends and family that drink and hold back from being preachy? Uh, Steve. Yeah. How, how do you do that, Nat? Well, it's more, it's a bit of an art, you know, everyone I speak to, I try and read the room, you know, that's basically what I do. Most of the time, uh, I just want people to have a good time. I'm not trying to impose whatever, you know, sanctions I put on myself or, you know, uh, I try not to give people a hard time about it and nobody likes it. What I do is I, I look for people who appear to not be wanting to drink as much as they are, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and for the most part, listen, I don't have any moral objection to alcohol. Uh, in fact, it's a lot, if you think of it like a medicine, um, you know, medicines all have side effects. So alcohol, you know, maybe it does help pass um, a quick anxiety or something like that, as we all used to drink for. But really, it, the cost benefit analysis for me was it did more harm than good. But, you know, that's for me. So uh, if someone else wants to drink and that's how they have fun you know good for them uh, it's not up to me to like i don't know push anything on anyone it's tough though right because like when you get through the Annie grace approach you realize you know that that shit gets into your brain and it retrains you to see alcohol 
as an addictive poison with no redeeming qualities whatsoever. I mean, that's part of the magic of why yeah. the anti-grace approach you, works. Pull back the veil. You're being fooled type of thing. I mean, whenever I see like somebody in my family or one of my friends take a drink, like my first inclination is I want to rip it out of their hands and pour it down the drain and say, you're killing yourself. But then I would just look <laughs> like a complete lunatic. Yeah. So I don't do that, right? I mean, I, I screwed up with my wife a couple of weeks ago. I, I told I, I think I might have mentioned this before. I told my son, you know, we were having this conversation. I was like, you know, alcohol is bad for you. It's really good. It should, you know, wine should be illegal. As my wife was pouring herself a glass of wine. <laughs> right. So I'm like, well, you know, that, that must have come across as like me being a real dick and a half, you know, um, yeah. which is not really how I intended it. But, um, you know, uh, I mean, despite having like a live and let live mindset, I have to admit to myself that I would be happier if the people around me never drank at all. Um, you know, right. if my son didn't drink, that would be great. If my wife didn't drink, that would be great. I mean, and th these are not people that drink out of control, you know, right. it's just, uh, and, and so that's really my shit, right? Like I'm the one that has to deal with those feelings inside me that make me nervous and anxious. And some of that is a carryover from watching my mother drink when I was a kid right. and I never under, never knowing like what person I was going to be interacting with because she was always going to be drunk. She was either going to be nice mom or scary mom, you know. But uh, I, I read a quote from uh, um, uh, a guru in India. This is the guy that Steve Jobs like went off to try and find in India. He's Neem Karoli Baba. And mm. he said to Krishna Das, uh, who you know later became the Kirt Kirtan guy, plays a lot of um, Kirtan. You know what Kirtan is? It's like I, uh, I don't. What is it's, it? It's like you know, like the at the end of like a yoga class, like somebody gets on the squeeze box and then you chant. You know, right? That's like Kirtan, and and Kirtan is also like the Hare Krishna is singing Hare Krishna, whatever. Anyway, uh, that was that guy's guru also, but he said that um, you have to realize that um, you know my job isn't to change people; my job is to love people. Mm. You know, which I guess is a, uh, you know, meet, meet people where they are and, and, and deal accordingly, you know? And, and then my other favorite Eastern philosopher, Brad Warner, who wrote a uh, book called hardcore Zen, uh, the title of his, his first book is, or second book is just called, uh, don't be a jerk. Mm. Right. And, and I guess that's ultimately that's the, the philosophy to live by. Right. Like don't that be an asshole. Up. That sums it up. And it's funny. Cause I had the same conversation with my, uh, my Sunday school class this Sunday, because <laughs> we were sort of, we were talking about, Kids, don't be an asshole. <laughs> basically. I'm like, well, what do we believe? You know, we were doing like the end of the year kind of wrap up and I wanted them to put on a passport, you know, it's like your passport to go around and, and be a good Christian and how do we live and stuff. And then, uh, you know, it's just the basics, love your neighbor, that stuff. And, and I said, you know, but it's not up to us to go around pointing out where other people aren't doing that. You're just trying to show, you know, by example that you, you know, the love and the treating people right, but you don't have to, it's not up to us to go around saying, you go to hell, you go to heaven. Right. Went on a thing, probably they didn't care, but <laughs> about how, you know, we just have to love everyone, meet them where they are and, and show them. And I do that with, with recovery and, you know, anything that makes people super uncomfortable you know, it's, you catch more flies with honey and, um, you know, people watch what you do and not what you say. I think that's important. So, you know, just try and lead by example and, um, you know, just hope for the best for people. It's just harder when it's a loved one who you're watching, you know, drink and, um, you know, you don't want them to get sick or do something bad for them. So that's where it gets hard for me. Yeah. I mean, it comes from a place of love, you know, generally, um, 
But, you know, I also think the temperance movement would have been more successful had it not been mostly like church like, folks going around with axes, like walking yeah. into saloons and like swinging them at beer barrels. You know, yeah. that's not going to win over hearts and minds. It wasn't the best approach, you know. Yeah. But I think we have enough uh, data and reality behind us that, you know, once the people, once they've had enough, great. You know, and in the meantime, just be careful, you know. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy yourself, but, you know, think about your health and, and what's really good for you. It's just hard to fight that social, you know, the, the social pressure to drink. It's everywhere. Um, and so it that's really, real art. really is. Except at the Hare Krishna Festival I went to this weekend. No drinking? Uh, no drinking there. 20,000 people parading down Fifth Avenue, pulling uh, these giant carts with the, with the deities on them, um, <laughs> dancing down the street. And, you know, the, the, the Christians have these four regula regulative principles. No drinking or intoxicants is one of them. So I'm like, I'm already in with those guys for that. You know, and then there's the, uh, you know, got to be vegetarian, you don't, don't misuse sexuality, and uh, don't gamble, right? And I'm good with most of those. What about the funny haircut? Do you do one of those? No, that's not really required as a, a, for membership. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, yeah, they were a little more, um, a little more, uh, what's fanatic in the early seventies, things have kind of mellowed out. But, um, so I took Ben and, and Aaron and I went down there and, and Ben and Aaron's been like lying up there with a fever going, oh, Harry Krishna's gave me the flu. Uh. <laughs> I'm like, it's probably, you know, the fact that you were in the subway twice, like holding on to those subway railings is what gave you the flu. It's not the Harry Krishna's. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. I'm surprised I didn't get sick. Well, what did Ben think of the, uh, yeah, I saw some of the pictures you posted. It looked like a lot of fun. It is fun. It's fun. Those people are great. They're the friendliest, warmest, most welcoming people people in the universe, you know, uh, it, it was, it was a good time. Um, Ben was not like overwhelmed by the, <laughs> the scene. I think he, he kind of came for the vegetarian food and, and we ended up getting online and getting the food from like this guy who was sort of doing a Jamaican Island, Caribbean Island riff on vegetarian food. I mean, they were Harry Krishna's too, but like, and I, I think that wasn't as good as the, the, uh, Indian, vegetarian food which was a different line that was much longer so mm. i think after he ate that uh and it was like 85 degrees and he was hot and there was a lot of walking and i think he had had it he didn't want to watch the the people dancing by in the on fifth avenue so um but yeah, it's, you know, it's like the third year we've gone down for that i just kind of i kind of like the scene it's uh it's fun <laughs> it's a yeah so i was at this rock festival you're at a hari krishna festival <laughs> They should put it together and have a rock Hare Krishna. I'm sure they do that. They, well, I mean, that's how the, the Krishnas, I mean, not to get weird, you know, long-winded about it, but that's how they first like, came to America. Prabhupada went out to San Francisco, and they put on this huge rock festival at the Avalon Ballroom with the Grateful Dead and Janis Joplin and everybody, and then oh, everybody wow. chanted Hare Krishna for an hour, and it was like a beautiful, you know, it was a loving kind of scene. So uh -huh. isn't that nice? That's nice. So, so it's just about time to welcome our uh, guest. Don't you is, have some music for this? Yeah. Oh, it says guest right there. So he's yes. there. So this is this is perfect. Um, as soon as he's, he has to let himself in. I, I don't know how to let anybody. In. Oh, there he is. Okay. Here I am. It works. It works. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Loud and clear. There you go. So, uh, this is our Meet a Monster segment. There's supposed to be music. Yes. 
Alan, how are you? I'm all right. Good morning. Um, I um, I I am I'm missing my bridge and my front teeth, so I apologize if I sound a little lispy. But um, we're we're, we're right? getting it put back in um, later this week, so you know, no worries. Yeah, just just almost go on. Just, an, just another day, right? Yeah. So yeah, this is great. Hi guys. Hey. We were just talking about how your the background and like how interesting being in the city in the times mm-hmm. you know that you were in and um, just kind of like romanticizing that whole era that you talk about that you were through and stuff like that. So we're uh, excited to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. You know, it's funny. I was um, um, I was talking to um, some people. I don't know in the last couple of weeks they were talking about romanticizing a drink or a drug or whatever it is, right? And um, I, I was like, I think what I'm really romanticizing is being 19 again, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, and and that and that involved a lot of drinking and a lot of drugs, but um, you know, it was a really um, great, great, fun time, um, you know. In, with, in the middle of all the craziness and, and, and all that, you know, um, um, just, you know, um, um, just time and place. Right. It's like, you know, and that was it. Um, so anyway, so you came, you came of age in New York, uh, city, like in the late seventies, mm-hmm. mid to late seventies. Yeah. So that was sort oh. of contemporaneous with the uh, explosion of uh, punk scene and, and all that kind of crazy stuff going on on the Lower mm-hmm. East side. Maybe you could give us a little, uh, a little sketch of your story there and how everything, how you got started with the uh, drinking and how you uh, got sober like 300 years ago and, <laughs> and how that's been yeah. going. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's like Mel Brooks, 2,000-year-old man, right? <laughs> but um, but um, yeah, I, um, I'm 63, um, grew up in Queens, um, in Forest Hills, you know, it's sort of like a neighborhood in Queens. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, um, you know, drinking was, you know, we drank in the parks, you know, and it was like, it was, I, um, uh, it, it really started with weed because, you know, you hung out in the park, you smoked weed, uh, the drug dealer didn't care if you were 13, you know, and, um, gateway drug. what proof it's a gateway, it's a gateway yes. drug. Yes. Oh. Marijuana, the devil's lettuce. Yes. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and that's just we did, and you know, we we uh, you know we we smoked weed, we drank beer, we threw up, and we went home, and then and then did it all again. You know, Friday the next Friday night, and it was, um, you know, it was, um, you know, it's when I think about it, I, I have some friends from still back in the day. I don't know if you saw me post about my um, my junior high school reunion is trying to get a hold of me. Yeah, and oh, yeah. Um, I so don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm just. Um, they sent an email um, asking for a blurb on the on the last fifty years of our life, you know. And it was like, <laughs> and, and limited to two sentences. I was you know. like, yeah. So um, weed in the park on Yellowstone Boulevard, heroin in the Lower East Side, and then you know. Um, but um, you know, but I, I have um, I still have some friends from back then, and. Um, you know, they aged out, you know, you hear it like a lot of times, like people talk about aging out and, um, you know, they, um, they, I didn't, <laughs> you know, I guess that's the difference, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, um, it, it was like that. Um, I was, um, 
and I was that kid growing up, you know, I was, I'm like a 60s and 70s kid. And um, if they had medicated kids back then, like they do today, I would have been on, you know, here's the list. You know, I have ADD, mm-hmm. I have this, I have that. People said, maybe I should see if I'm on the spectrum, like, like whatever. And, and it's like, yeah, okay, you know. Um, and, um, but, you know, it was, you know, it was kind of innocent. It's just what my friends did. It's just what we, you know, it was like that. Um, you know, Forest Hills and Queens, um, there's a connection how I got into that scene. Um, and it wasn't me, but it was um, older brothers of friends um, mm. um, hung out and grew up with like the Ramones, you know, they were like the like mm. neighborhood band. So, you know, right. my, um, you know, my friend Bob's brother, Jeff was like buddies with them, you know, and um, oh, yeah. Cool. And like Forest Hills high school and all that. Um, I was out there um, about, I don't know, maybe about seven, eight years ago with a friend of mine um, and they, they renamed um, outside of Forest Hills high school. They renamed it uh, Ramones way, you know, <laughs> And, um, and we used to hang out and cut class and smoke weed out in front of Parcels High School and, you know, whatever, and listen to the Ramones. But, um, you know, um, those older brothers, um, like I would hang, we would hang out in their apartment and, and Jeff would play records for us, you know, and it was like, you know, you kid growing up, you're listening to Led Zeppelin or whatever. And it's like, not, you know, next thing I always say, here, check out this album. Here's like this Patti Smith record, you know. And like my little fifteen-year-old brain just went like, ah, <laughs> you know, just like, what is this, you know? It cracks the universe open when you hear that first oh, record. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know. And, and so many of them, you know. And um, um, it's funny when I when I got um, when I was getting sober in Queens in the beginning, um, you know, it was a guy who helped me a lot who like went to like who went to Grambridge Public School with Johnny Thunders, you know. So mm. it's just like it was. There's a lot happening. Oh, lost an earbud in the neighborhood, you know. Um, but you know, it was um, hanging out, you know. And um, I found that I like drugs, you know. Um, and um, I found out if like I, um, I, I went downtown, like the, you know, they didn't care. Like they didn't care that yeah, I wasn't 18. They let me in the bars, they let me in the clubs, um, right. you know, and. Um, <clears throat> It was, yeah, I saw, I saw bands now that people, you know, I, I mean, I saw them all, I saw all these great bands, you know, and it was, we weren't thinking like, wow, how cool is this? Like, you know, it was just, it was just, it was just another it was just, band. It was just right? another band and we're just getting high and, you know, it was, um, right. it was, um, you know, I was yeah. wondering like, uh, when you're in the middle of a scene like that and all these bands, like the Ramones yeah. and everything, are you conscious of the fact that this is like a cultural moment you know, like that something very different is going on down here uh, than in, you know, than just like going to see bands, that, it, that it's like changing the culture in some way. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. wasn't. Um, it, it was it, it was just it was it was it was a small scene like downtown back then um, was like it was a small town, you know, and it was yeah, it was um, it was cheap rent. It was cheap drugs. Um you know, and it was, it was everybody, you know, it, it's like you would go, you would go to, you would go to a show and it was like everybody and all the other bands hanging out, seeing their friends, you know, 
and, and I came in, I came in towards the end of that, like that started happening, like sort of mid seventies, you know, and I, mm-hmm. um, I showed up like 77, you know, 78. So, um, but like I knew people like, you know, it's, um, it, you know, I, 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 you know, I knew people, so it was kind of like that, but yeah, it was just, you know, we're just doing our thing, you know? Um, um, there was a lot happening though, because it, it wasn't just music, you know, like, and for me living, having lived long enough to be able to look back and, uh, and, and just like have that sort of gift of perspective that I have now, yeah. it's like, oh, wow. Um, because it was, it was music, it was literature, it was art. It was like all happening. Um, you know, because you get an apartment with four of your friends for one hundred and thirty-eight dollars a month, and you know, get a stupid little copy shop job, and then go do your thing. You know, and um, right. yeah, so you could survive. Yeah. You could survive yeah. back then because the rents were like normal. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, eight years later in the Bronx, I'm, yeah. I, I think I, when I had to pay four hundred dollars a month for an apartment, I was I was scandalized that it oh, was yeah. so much. You know. Well, $400 a month, Tush, it was like, you know, you're living, you know, you're like, you're living uptown, like living, living large, you know, yeah, um, yeah, right, right. you know, um, my last apartment, um, before, um, be, be, before everything fell apart, um, and we were paying second Avenue, um, second and B, um, mm. um, old second and B, <laughs> you know, and we were paying $184 a month. Um, <laughs> and there were four or five of us in that apartment at any given time, you know, wow. and, um, you know, and sometimes we couldn't make the rent, <laughs> you know, back then you still had enough money for drugs. Like today yeah. you couldn't live down there and, and be addicted and be addicted to drugs. It would be too expensive. No, back then I don't, I was, you know, it's funny. I had, um, I had clients, um, down the block and when I go down there, um, it's like unrecognizable to me. And, and yeah. it's like my old joke is like, you know, where does a kid go buy a bag of heroin on the street these days? <laughs> not to buy heroin yeah. anymore. I mean, now you call a number and, and somebody on a yeah. bike, electric bike brings it to your front yeah, door. I, yeah, guess. I, don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> we had, um, we had on third, um, it, it was like a supermarket, you know, people, I, I was there for those days, you know, there was like a hole in the wall. You put the money in the wall, mm-hmm. bag yeah. came out, you know, down the street, it was a bucket that came down. You threw money in a bucket. It was just, um, you know, and, um, simpler, back then. but it yeah. was like, much simpler. Yeah. Times. But it was like, fuck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, um, how we got out, you know, is a thing. Right. Um, so at what point did it stop being fun and start being like, uh, yeah, you crossed you know, the line at some point where you woke up one day and you realized you were getting, living in the Shangri-La of the Lower East Side, <laughs> seeing punk bands. And then one day you're like, fuck, I'm addicted to heroin. <laughs> when does that, happen? um, the, the fuck, like this is horrible happened when, um, when my family decided they didn't want, they, they didn't want to see me do it anymore. And, and they got a hold mm-hmm. of me. Um, I mean, I knew, I knew, I knew things were horrible. I knew things were falling apart. Um, I talk about this a lot. I, I couldn't put it together like that. It was like the drinking and the drugs, like, you mm-hmm. know, um, b- because, 
you know, th- there was a lot of that was like before I ever picked up, like, you know, I was like that problem kid, you know, um, you mm-hmm. know, weed may have been my first gateway drug. My second gateway drug was I didn't go to school for junior year, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> right. you know, and it was like, so, I mean, it was, it, it there was problems all along. Um, you know, I just couldn't, um, get the clarity, um, but, you know, it was like I said, like 19, like that was 1978 and it was great, but it was already like, you know, it was already, you know, I wasn't living good. I mean, I was, you know, it was, it was, um, you know, I couldn't not drink. I couldn't not pick up whatever drug I was into at the time. Um, and you couldn't work. I mean, at the time, probably because if you're just focusing on getting the drugs, then you sort of. Stuff starts to fall apart around you even worse, right? Yeah, but, you know, but it was, it was like, you know, I had stupid little jobs, right? You know, it was like, you know, I I worked at the copy shop, (laughs) you know, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, I can handle that. Um, Yeah, I was a bike messenger and, you know, like that was fine. Um, I did that job. Yeah, yeah. That's easy, easy, fast money. Easy, fast money. It was great. You know, I got paid, you know, got, got paid at the end of the week and ready to go. Um, my, my last job, um, it was the, the summer I got sober, um, before I got sober, I got sober in November, but it was like that summer, um, I was working as a food vendor. Um, a, a, fr- a friend of mine worked there and, um, brought all of us down. Like, like my little crew was, we we're all working at, for this guy, Lenny, um, you know, and I sold hamburgers off a cart um, in front of the um, the Time Light Building on 50th and 6th Avenue. You know, and I did that for four hours a day, and I got fifty or sixty dollars cash at the end, which at 1981 was like was, That's a lot was of money. like money, and that was yeah. that was money to you know get my bag of dope in the morning, go to work, get my bag of dope after work, and you know, and He's you know, and it was like that. So you know, it, it, it's. You know, it's like we find a way, right? <laughs> you know, you know, you know. We, we however yeah. it is, we find a way. Um, yeah. Did you have a Did you have a conscious like like for me like in the eighties, right? I started. I was into the Grateful mm-hmm. Dead, and I would follow them around, and the whole subculture revolved around like drugs mm-hmm. and everything. So, you know, it was very easy for me to sort of justify what I was doing, because I'm like, oh, I'm part yeah. of this subculture and of artists and everything, and that's all great. And we just sort of we do drugs. Like, like was that like something that was giving you a justification to keep going like it did yes. for me, like because I was in, involved in all this kind of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, It was like, yeah. that was a scene. It was like, I was listening to um, Dopey a couple weeks ago with um, Dante Ross, you know, mm-hmm. and um, they were talking about it and it really, they were talking about music back then. And he was talking about junkie rock, you know, and like, you know, th- those mm-hmm. bands like that scene, it was like Johnny Thunders and it was Richard Hell and it was all these people. And like, it was all, like it was just part of what you did, you know, it was like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, that was, that was the thing, you know? And, um, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Was, was there a straight edge scene in punk back then? Or was that something that came that, later? That came, that, that came after, that came after. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, um, that was like, it, it, it was like, New, it, it was like the New York hardcore thing, started like 81 82 i was already um i was already sober by then but um like i knew people in that scene um you know and like that was like you know the beastie boys um um who were you know like 
were started out as as a, as a punk band. Um, mm. Right. I yeah. That. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was like that. Um, it, it's funny. I have a buddy um, who lives around the corner from me who I knew, who I know from uh, AA. And um, he talks about it is, um, you know, he was a straight edge kid from New Jersey. And um, I tell him, you should thank, um, you know, my scene who came right before you. Cause like we were the inspiration for you straight edge guys. <laughs> like you looked at us and said like, look, these people, they're all fucked up. Like we don't want that. Um, so yeah, that there's so many. Yeah. yeah sorry. There's just so many yeah. weird different strains yeah. that come together yeah. inside that musical yeah. movement. Cause you yeah. got like, you got this whole like Krishna mm-hmm. rock, you know, thing like, like the Cro-Mags were into that. And, and then you have like the, the straight edge yep. scene and then you have just this, the old, the gutter punk yep. thing. And it's, it's just all these weird streams converging at the same time. Just, uh, it, you don't really see that in a lot of other musical subcultures. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Um, you know, and it's funny, like, you know, the punk thing, um, it, it was like back when I was in it, um, like it was like, Punk was just any band that played CBGBs or Maxes. They just got lumped with mm-hmm. that label, you know? And it was like, you know, there was like the Talking Heads and the Blondies and the Ramones and, you know, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. And they were all like, musically, they are all like very different, you yeah. know? I mean, mm-hmm. but it was, um, you know, and um, I think that divergence that you're talking about happened like later, happened after. Um, okay. You know, it mm-hmm. was like we got into... Um, when, when that was happening, we're starting to get into like the noise and no wave kind of thing. Um, you know, there was like Sonic Youth and Lydia Lunch and, yeah, and, and Suicide and like those bands, um, you know, which, which was like very different then. Um, and, and, and we were, um, it, it was, um, I want to say it was older, um, you know, like the hardcore, you know, the hardcore kids, it, a lot of it was um, like CB started like the um, all ages matinee, you know. So like uh, like it was, I think I think that it was, was aggressive stuff, right? That was like I remember the hardcore scene in the nineties. Yeah. There was a lot of tough guy stuff that I didn't relate to. Oh no no no, no. yeah that yeah it was interesting yeah it was like you know I mean we were into like yeah we were into like art and literature and film and it was you know right. it was you know it was that hardcore it was it was it was young. Yeah, guys starting stuff. to feel their testosterone and you know right. and it was like that you know so but the dancing was just punching yeah. each other in the yeah. face you know yeah yeah <laughs> not really dancing yeah beating the shit out of people. yeah it was funny i was working um for a little while i worked for um my family um we had a um my family has um a uniform business that goes back to like 1892 you know started by my great grandfather um and my cousin's running it now. And um, we were, um, we branched off. We started getting to um, like military surplus and that. So we opened a store on Broadway and Astor Place. Um, um, and there was like unique and canal jeans and all the stores. Like they were like the cool stores sure. to shop. And we were on that block. Um, and there was a kid who lived with his parents in the loft upstairs who's into that scene. Um, you know, I used to talk to him, you know, and um and, you know, he, it was like, he was like, yeah, I just go, I get my aggression out, you know, and, you know, like, um, yeah. Yeah. It's a positive outlet of negative yeah, energy. Yeah. I've been explaining that to Noah, my 12 yeah. year old, he's just getting into music and I'm really, I'm into a lot of different yeah. music, but like part of my soul is like hardcore music, metal, Sepultura, Pantera, that all that kind of stuff, hardcore music from the nineties. Mm-hmm. 
So when I play it for him, I have to preface it because he wasn't used to hearing that stuff. I'm like, no, no, that guy is screaming on the tape because I don't want to. This is like, it's this positive outlet of negative energy. And I think in a lot of, for a lot of kids, that's exactly what purpose it serves. Yeah, sure. Makes you feel like, "Mm, get it ahead. So let's, let's go back to the seventies again for Mm -hmm. a minute. So you're selling, you're selling hamburgers at this cart and life is shitty and you, all of a sudden you decide, uh, and your, or maybe your family decides for you that it's time for a change. Yeah. So maybe walk, walk us through how that change happens. So, so how the change happens, and just to back a little bit, I, um, I, my first treatment, or not treatment, but my first was when, that year when I stopped going to school, you know, um, you know, I thought nobody knew, right? I thought they would never notice, like, this kid hasn't showed up for, like, <laughs> junior year you know so so they um they they, i ended up in a tc you know i ended up in a therapeutic community um and Mm. it was um i was there for nine months it was um it was one of these um synonine phoenix house type spinoffs where you know Mm. and um yeah and it was kind of crazy and and the the population was um people who had been sent there by their parole or probation officers and um, fucked up kids from Forest Hills High School smoked too much pot and cut class. <laughs> so what? So what could go wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. You know. And um, so I, I, you know, I um, it was like, yeah, that didn't work. But um, what happened was, um, you know, I I um, I would just dis- disappear for my my family. I lost touch with my family for like months at a time, but there was still. Um, a couple of cousins of mine who I was friendly with, um, who I was in touch with, and you know, I would smoke weed with them. And my family knew it was bad. They didn't know how bad it actually was, um, you know. I, and um, but you know, I it, it, it got to the point like I couldn't like not go out drinking without ending up in the hospital in the ER to get mm-hmm. like, my head sewed up or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I would. I would um, I would hit them up for money, you know, like, like the thing we do. Right. And, um, right. yeah. And, um, they arranged an intervention. Um, so it was like one day, like, you know, I'm there and I'm in my mom's car and I don't know, it's Saturday morning. So I didn't know what the, you know, I was out of it. I, I was barely, and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> you know, it's like, we're going to New Jersey. Um, <laughs> and um, we end up in his room, and there's um, my uncle and one of my cousins, and are in there with this guy. And um, like they had, you know, um, um, in AA they talk about we have the desire to stop drinking, right? And it was like for me, it was my family had a desire for me to stop drinking, um, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, huh. You know, this is kind of odd, and you know, they were they were they were, they were <laughs> telling me the stories about how you know, like one year Passover, you showed up all bloody for the seder, and you know, <laughs> you stole the bottle of booze we were saving for the wedding. You know, this this the stuff that goes yeah. on in an intervention. You know, and um, and I was like, huh, you know, and and. Truthfully, like, I didn't care. What happened was uh, my mom gave me a carton of Marlboros and said, like, that's it. We're done. Like, you know, we can't, we can't do this anymore. (laughs) 
go with God. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like you know, and it was like we can't watch this, you know. And if you die, it's going to break our heart. And if uh, and if you, and if you get well, that's great. But I, we it just can't keep going. And my thing was like, I feel like crap. I don't know where I am. I have cigarettes for a week. I'll play the game, you know. I'll you know I'll 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 get you know I'll sleep it off. I'll whatever, and and then I'll leave, you know, and I'll go back and go on another run. Um, but you know, I had a couple of days, um, and, and what happened is like somehow. One of the things, one of the things I love listening to um, when people talk about their journeys and their stories or whatever is, um, I love hearing what happened, like that moment of like mm. how to go from one day, like I'm sitting here flipping burgers on a cart and getting high, and like just thinking that's my life to, oh, you know, and yeah. um, you know, um, and it was like. It just got something got my attention, you know. It was just like, you know, I, I had um, I had like five, I had like five packs of cigarettes left. <laughs> I, you know, it's like halfway through. You know, I'm just saying I'm starting to feel like crap, but it was like, oh, you know, like I'm 22 years old. Like, how did I end up here? You know, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it wasn't. Um, I, there wasn't any shazams. There weren't any really ahas. It was just like, oh, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. um, and it ruins your high from then on. Yeah. I'll never forget. Yeah. I mean, once you get that realization yeah. that you're screwing yourself yeah. up, but you still want to use, yeah. it just ruins it. Yeah. Mm. And it was just like, oh, and, um, you know, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I think, I think I, I think I know. Like it got me like right before it would have gotten like really bad, you know, as bad mm -hmm. as it was. And, I mean, there was consequence. You know, like I had OD'd. I had um, I had done things that you know, like I'm not going to talk about in a family podcast, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah. you know, but it was it was kind of like you know. If if it didn't get me then, like you know, like I I you know I can't I don't know about the counterfactual stuff. Like you're like oh if like I hadn't gotten sober then like I would have died, you know you hear that and like I don't know I mean yeah. I don't know if I would still be here or not, but I mean I think it really got me like I you know there there are, there are moments that we don't realize what they are until we can like you know have a life and look right. back at them and go like, Oh man, like that was a moment, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, right. and, um, and yeah, so, you know, it was, um, it was just that, um, you know, one of the things that got me too was, um, you know, it, it was, there was a woman who worked at the place I was in, um, who, who they, who was my counselor. And I, 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 that was a Saturday when they took me there and I met her on like a Monday, I guess, you know, she was off for the weekend and, you know, she, we were talking and, um, you know, I'm looking at her and like, like, who are you? Like, you're like, you know, you, whatever. And, um, she started talking to me a little bit and she told me like she had gotten sober in New York when she was 23 years old, um, downtown, um, she was, so I think she was sober like 20 years at the time, you know, but it was like, um, 
you know, that, you know, it, it, it's that got my attention too. Cause like, Oh, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, like she gets it, right. Well, She's not just, well, well, well she got it. And, um, you know, I, she, she knew the places I was talking about. Like she knew those streets. Mm. We were talking like she, you know, we were, we were talking, you know, and, um, she talked about Perry street, you know, it was like this sort of famous meeting downtown, like this little AA room. Um, and she told me, yeah, like I went to this place, Perry street. Like she said, when you leave here, maybe go there. I'll take good care of you. You know? Um, yeah, yeah. that's identification. Yeah, yeah. They always talk about yeah. it. Like and, uh, something you identify yeah. with. And, um, I don't know if you, um, have heard Jack Grisham talking about the punk stuff. He was, um, Jack was, um, he, he was, and is still the singer in this band TSOL. Um, they're, they're a like you know an '80s punk band, um, and and he's been sober clean a long time. And, and he taught. I'm not breaking. He talks about it, um, mm. but he talked about when he got here about the identification. Like um, he's like he's like he said, I don't know if I wanted what you guys had because, but I got you guys had what I had. You know, mm-hmm. and it was like, it was that it was like, because I had seen counselors and shrinks and, and all, you know, the whole time, like before, like I'd seen tons of those people, you know, um, you know, and it was always somebody talking at me, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, so what was it that you thought that you think made the difference at that point? Because I, I'm also fascinated by that moment because I had a million moments yeah. where I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And then one moment was yeah. the moment. Turn right? it over. I think somewhere deep inside, I knew that, um, that here was an opportunity yeah. for, for something to change, for something different. Um, I, I couldn't put a, uh, I couldn't, I, I couldn't put a, a word on it. I couldn't give it a name. Um, you know, it's like funny, like AA people said, oh, I was your God, that was your higher power. And like, I don't know, I'm like, I'm an atheist. So I, I don't know what that is, you know. But um, when 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 I hear people describe it, I think it's the same for all of us who get this. Um, we just we just describe it differently, right? Um, right. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe. Yeah. It's so like yeah. inside of your time. Yeah. Cause it wasn't like, you know, cause like that, that the day before I wasn't thinking like, wow, I really need to stop. <laughs> you know, I really need to stop <laughs> this. I was probably thinking about like, you know, how do I get, how do I, how do I get high tomorrow? Like, right. you know, how do I keep yeah, it going? And it, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, and then it was just like, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was just, you know, I was done. Um, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people who were trying, you know, to, to get clean or whatever. And, um, the one thing, like I, I tell people, like, I can't give you done. Like, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. For you. I, I don't know how to get, I don't know how to give that to you. I don't know how to give done to anybody. You know, yeah. I think we just get to, I think we just all get, if we're lucky, we get to a place where we, where we have that, you know? Yeah, and, you got to find your own. Yeah, done, and, you know? and then where we go with it is another thing, because you know, I mean, some of us stay done, and and some of us don't. Right. You know, right. but you know, it, it's like grabbing a hold of that. Um, I think is a um, is a really powerful thing for us. You know, if we if we can get it. Um, so, so, so you got sober when you were twenty two, twenty two mm-hmm. years old. Yep, and you've been sober since. Have. Like ten years, right? 
What? You've been chosen for <laughs> 10 years. Yes. Um, He's coming up on his 10th anniversary. You're almost 40. Yeah. On I, 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 Zoom, nobody knows this is a, a mason jar full of vodka. Um, no. <laughs> it isn't, it's folks. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, um, you know, friends of mine, like people like, oh, it's like you get sober when you were 12, right? I'm like, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that that's, that's I mean, to me, the, you know, I, I kind of, I could never understand how people could quit and then stay quit for you know decades. Right. I kind of see it a little bit more now coming up on mm-hmm. you know the four years where you know it's like the compulsion's gone, the the desire is gone, the life, the new life is so good that yeah. going back to the old mm-hmm. one just does, isn't appealing in any way, yep. you know. But still, like when you're 22 in yeah. New York City, things are like popping. I w- I was in the city over this you know yeah. a few days ago, and I was thinking to myself, man, if I was 22 and I was here, there was no way mm-hmm. no yeah. way i could stay sober in this environment. oh yeah so i mean how how did you how did you do that yeah, yeah. um what, what happened um and they talked a little bit on the discord um when we were talking about that um i um i was at new jersey for a year i was in uh, i was in a rehab for seven weeks um they were trying to figure out what to do with me they they knew they couldn't really send me back home just yet um and um um, it was um, New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty-one. Was my last night in there. <laughs> they were just, and they, they they actually sort of had a place for me before, but they didn't want to like set me loose, like you know, on New Year's. <laughs> um, and um, and then they got me into a halfway house, you know. Um, and I was still in Jersey, still in Jersey, out in uh, like Plainfield, New Jersey. I don't know, couldn't couldn't point it out to you on a map now if I had to, <laughs> you know, uh, Jersey all looks the yeah, same. Yeah. It's all, you know, <laughs> it's one big, um, so, so I was out there and I was in the halfway house for however long. And, um, and then I, um, I, I, when I left the halfway house for a couple of months, I, I stayed out there. I got a room in the town just cause it was, um, you know, I had a little bit of a community out there, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I did the thing, you know, um, Back then, like, there was nothing else but AA, really. I mean, you know, so, like, I went to AA, I went to meetings. Um, I was the youngest person there by five years, eight years, whatever. And it's like, when you're 22, that's a lot, you know. It's like, you know. um, But, you know, um, it it, it was like I I, I made a couple of friends. I hooked up with a couple of people, you know. Um, I... um, I got a sponsor um, who was 26, so he was, you know, he was young enough. And, like, I hung out with him and his girlfriend in his car, you know, driving to meetings around New Jersey, you know, and, and we just talked. And um, so so I had a little bit of that buffer, like, from not being down there in the scene. Because if I had gone... You didn't run right back had, to the lower side. If I had side. gone to 2nd yeah. Street, I would have, it would have been, yeah. you know, we wouldn't be talking right yeah. now. It was like, you know, it mm-hmm. would not have happened. And... Um, when um, it came time to move back, I was like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, my time in New Jersey was, was done. It was great. It like really helped me out. But um, I, I didn't go back downtown. I, I moved back to Queens because um, it was just, it felt safer, you know, to me. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, um, and, and I, um, w- what happened there, it was, um, you know, it was still hard. It was hard being young. It was like, you know, it was like, 
it was like, God, I'm like 23 years old. I'm sitting in this church basement on a Saturday night in Forest Hills. Like, yeah. this kind of sucks, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, is, this isn't what I planned. <laughs> you know? um, but um, what was really fortunate there and kind of what saved me was um, there was um, there was young people, you know, they were, they were like, mm. and um and a lot of us, it was like um, out there. And also like I started like hitting like um, the scene downtown, the AA meetings downtown. There was um, right. a big meeting right, and there was, there was like NA, you know, we'd go to NA on Saturday nights, you know, Midnight Man to like St. Mark's Place, you know. Um, that is its own scene oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. That's a big social yep. scene, those meetings yep. on St. Mark's. There was a place on 14th Street. It was like the yeah, whole building. The yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah they yeah. moved to 12th yeah. Street. That's condos now, the, the 14th Street. Okay. Yeah. 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 But, but, <laughs> but it was, um, you know, it, it's like I met people my age, you know, and who were into what I was into. And we went to shows and went to movies. And uh, a lot of the people were the people who had come out of that scene that I got out of, you know, and we didn't mm. lose that interest, you know, but we, um, yeah. we learned how to do it. You know, we learned how to go see a band without having to get fucked up. Uh, yeah, um, that's so important, you know, you know to be able to do know? that. Yeah, and especially being young because it was like, you know, it's like I would, and it was more so like, you know, I'd go to meetings and, and you know, I, I, like I had a roommate in rehab, this guy, Frank, he was a nice guy, but he was the vice president of a bank and he had been divorced three times and lost the house and the boat, you know? And it was like, <laughs> I never had anything. I had like the clothes on my back, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I was like, like, I don't like, what is this? And, um, you know, and we, um, we, 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 you know, it, it, it's, um, I was talking about this yesterday with people like I got, like I got socialized in, in a, like AA socialized me, um, mm. you know, like the older people, like, um, you know, they, they were like, they taught me like how to show up on time. Like they gave me the keys to the church to make coffee and like, you mm. have to be here. Like, cause if these people don't have their coffee, they're going to be pissed at you. Right. Um, so it, it, it's how I showed up here at nine o'clock at nine o'clock, you know, it was, I learned to like, you know, show up where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there. Um, you know, there was a, it's funny, there was a nun at this meeting that I went to and she was sort of like well-known in AA circles. Um, you know, I'm like, I'm like this Jewish kid from Forest Hills. I'm like, I'm sitting, hanging out, talking to this, to this nun, you know, and, um, you know, and I, I had a potty mouth. I still have one. And like, I'm standing outside Our Lady Queen of Martyrs on Washington Street, like dropping up bombs. And I turn around and here's Sister Maurice, like giving me this glare. Right. <laughs> and I knew at that moment, my friends who went to Catholic school felt, you know, but what she was also taught me was like how to present myself, you know, mm. and, and how to like, you know, like, I don't have to, like, drop an F-bomb every other word in a conversation, you know? And um, and um, and then, you know, I got to be, you know, I, I got to do all that dumb shit we do in our 20s, but I got to do it sober, mm -hmm. which was kind of interesting because I didn't have 
alcohol to blame it on. Mm, <laughs> you right. Know? You know, because we do, you know, we do dumb shit in our 20s, right? But it's like, you know, sure. you're like, yeah, okay. It's like I was drunk. I did the stupid thing. and But I'm 24. And it was like, oh, no, I did the stupid thing. And now I have to take a look at, like, why am I doing this? You know, like, what is it that I'm doing? You know? And, um, yeah. yeah. Um, Alan, yeah. I just wanted to say before I yeah, leave yeah. the thought. Yeah. Everything you were you're just talking about, that whole experience mm-hmm. with AA and you could go to the NA meetings and they put you on a little bit of a mm-hmm. schedule. Like I think that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we do focus a lot on like the letter of the book and the and the law and everything, but really everything you just described, that's really so yes. important. And you can only really get that with these ubiquitous nope. NAAA. And it's not perfect, but they're showing you how to show up. You know, with these little things that seem like overbearing, yep. like you have to show up at nine o'clock and make the coffee. But I mean, it's really important, you know, yeah. to, to do that. Yeah, I, I, I think I learned discipline. You're right. I learned to I learned to. But, you know, a was different back then. Um, you know, I, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 there was 20 years in the middle where my contact with AA was not a lot. You know, I would um, I would go down to the meeting that used to be on Mark's place Um um, they moved. I had to move, and I would go meet a friend of mine there for um, for the meeting and coffee, like every other week, you know. And that was my that was like my A for um, for a long time, because when I came around, people weren't like quoting big book pages at me, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, it, it wasn't there wasn't that fundamentalism, and um, you know that that has creeped in, you know, and it may have been a reaction. You know, like it's funny, like the straight edge kids were a reaction to, to, to the junkie right. punks. And I think that fundamental was a reaction to, um, you know, they blame it on, you know, like, like the crusty old, like fundamentalist people blame it on like treatment right. centers, you know, it was like the treatment centers ruin AA. Like, you know, I was ruining AA because I was young and I had done drugs and I had done this and I had done that, you know? Um, and, um, but you know, it was it was more it it was more open minded. It was um, like they gave me a book, like I had it, like yeah, I read it. But I was like, this this is weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> like who's John, who, who's John Barleycorn and and Ed Hogan? Like what are, what are you talking about? You know, um, you know, and we would laugh at the language in the book. You know, um, and. Um, you know, and um, and and it was what it was. I mean, you know, however, I, I you know, however that changed, it changed. But it was different back then. It was it, people were, um, um, you know, like I told my sponsor, um, like I don't believe in God. He was like, "That's okay. Like, what do you believe in?" <laughs> and it's like, "I don't know." He goes, "Why don't you go find out?" <laughs> You know, yeah. and and it was that, you know, it was, um, you know, um, you know, it's funny. N.A. was um, had just started up back in New York when I when I started going. Um, it had been sort of gone for a long time um, and it's, mm-hmm. it, it started reforming in the early 80s. And I knew um, some of those people helped start up in Queens. I went to those meetings and they were harder on me than the A.A. people because um, mm-hmm. they were like, oh, you're just a kid and you hadn't been the 
you know, you hadn't been to jail and you haven't OD'd nine times and you're just, a, you know, you were just chipping and all that. There was like, there was like, yeah, you didn't earn your, I didn't, did you I get didn't my stripes, you know? And, um, you know, and it was like, kind of like, yeah, it's like, Hey, Alan, what's up? How you doing? You know? And, um, um, and, um, I, 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 in the beginning I learned, I got, I learned more, um, after like the meetings were great. I, for me, it was like, I, I learned more and got more out of just hanging out in a diner or a coffee shop after. Mm. And sitting, so it was the community, the community more than it was the rigidity of the program. Oh, absolutely. Because, because, you know, like, I, you know, my next question obviously is how does an atheist survive in AA, which is ostensibly, you know, a spiritual organization, you know, all the, the steps deal with God, this God, that God, the other thing. But I seem to be getting the sense from you that like they were kind of laid back about that stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, yeah. they, they really believe that the only requirement was a desire to stop drinking, not that you believe in a, a higher power, but the, the, so how, the, how, does, the, how did you navigate that? The, the, the people, there were people who stuck their face in my, their finger in my face and said, get God or die. But like there were, they were, that, that, that wasn't all of them, you know, that wasn't the majority yeah. of them, you know, and, um, yeah, I found the people I found, you know, and it was, it was like, you know, it, it was, um, <clears throat> you know, like I found, you know, I found you talk about communities and, and um, I love communities, you know, I'm, I, you know, it was like, you know, like I had my punk tribe and then um, I had like sort of my tech world tribe and um, I had my young people tribe in, in AA and all that. And I found the people, you know, it, it's, um, I, I mean, there's all there's a, there's a lot of people um there are a lot of people i found when when i would um if i would be honest and not um and not saying like i don't believe in god and you're idiot, you know and you're idiots if you do like like i had to learn how to like <laughs> right. you know when you're making a battle it's like you know people come up like yeah like like yeah me neither or like you know i don't know like you know i don't know if i believe in god or i don't know if i believe in you know and um yeah and and you find your people there was um <clears throat> there there were a couple of agnostic meetings around the city i didn't know about them <clears throat> um <clears throat> excuse me it was um it was easier for me um in the meetings in manhattan than it was out in queens to find those mm -hmm. people who um i could talk to about it um, yeah. you know, cause Queens is, you know, Queens is great, but it's Queens, you know, it's, it's a little bit more, um, traditional, um, right. you know, um, and you know, I, it, it, the thing they say is I like, take what you need and lead the rest. Right. And, you know, so I did that. And when Jim told me my sponsor, Jim, um, when he told me, when we had that conversation, um, you know, and he was a believer, you know, whatever that is. Um, but the funny thing is I never knew what it was that he believed in like he, mm. he he didn't talk about that he was like i knew he had a higher power i knew he believed whatever he did whatever he did and 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 that was fine you know um um when he told me go find out what it is um you know it gave me permission for myself to go out and find out what it is you know so mm. i read about buddhism you know um you right. know and i saw like you know, and I'm not a Buddhist, but like that, I, I, that language makes sense to me and where the language yeah. of the big book doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. 
but then I was able to see like how, like, wow, like, hey, maybe they're talking to some of these things are talking about the same thing. It, it's like for me, like when it goes back yeah. to that moment, like that moment, aha moment we have where it's where we all describe it differently, but it's that same moment, right? Right. That moment, it's all the yeah. same. Like the more you learn about, it, you're like, oh, it's this is the same. This is yeah. the same as you know. It's a unifying. Yeah, idea. yeah, yeah. And it was like you know, it was, and um, <clears throat> you know, and it's funny. Um, and I forgot because I'm old, but it, I'm sure it was brilliant. <laughs> you know, yeah, I am. Um, you know, it's why I take care of my mom now. She has dementia, and it's. Um, um, I was joking with um, my partner that um, talking to my mother now is like, it, it, it's like William Burroughs cut ups, you know, <laughs> because she talks about like the cat is in the river and there's noise outside and um, what's for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> Free association. Yeah, yeah and, and like, that's kind of <laughs> like it goes on my brain sometimes. Oh, yeah. But, um, but, you know, but, but that, you know, what, Oh, I was talking about, it was like, you know, going back to like the old, old people, like there was a thing um, out in Akron where Bob, who is Dr. Bob, right, who was one of the founders, um, they wrote their own, you know, they wrote their own literature. Like that, um, I've, I've gotten into like the history of how stuff happened and I met people who really know mm -hmm. that. And like the people in Ohio, like they didn't want to know about that book. That was about Bill trying to make money. It was like the New Yorkers mm. trying to like cash in, right? And um, they wrote their own, it, it was called the Akron Manual. And in one of them, um, I think I posted it up in Discord. Um, they wrote like the, 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 the brute, I'm paraphrasing, I said, but, you know, Buddhism with its four noble truths and eight, eight, whatever. Uh, the eightfold, the eightfold path. path could yes. be used as, um, a compliment or a direct replacement for the 12 steps of AA. Mm. This was Dr. Bob's home group wrote that. Interesting. You know, wow. you know I'll send it to you. It's, um, yeah, I'd, yeah. Like, to, I'd like to check you know, that out. So sure. it's like, you know, um, like, like what, what they were, what, what, um, one of the history people said, the only thing that, um, AA did with the 12 steps was put numbers on them. Because all, all those practices have been around forever, you know, and they just yeah, and, packaging and marketing. And, marketing. And, and it's like they, you know, and it, it was a way for them to work for themselves. And, um, you know, and like I don't believe all of it, and, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, like now is so right. much, I've had people like stick their finger in my face and go, get God or die. And if you don't, stick around long enough, you're going to get it. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll, it's been maybe when I'm sober, 43 years, I'll get it. <laughs> you know, you're a example that that's yeah, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, time, Neil, it's a Neil Young line. We said time was just a joke, you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, uh, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I live with someone who's sober 40 years and we sometimes we look at each other and we just laugh <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> you know, and, and because it's, 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 um, it, it, you know, time for me, it's not a big thing, but if I can use it to get somebody's finger out of my face, I will, <laughs> you know, but, but like, you know, so it's like that. I mean, with your longevity now in the program, like, 
you know, nobody's sticking their finger in your face today, I would imagine, right? I mean, mm. you're... Well, people don't, because I don't lead with it. Yeah. Like my friends okay. know, the people in meetings, like, you know, who, like, like they know, but like, you know, if I'm sitting in a Zoom meeting with a bunch of people from like wherever, like they don't know, like I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, there's a, you hear a lot of people go like, hi, I'm like, you know, I'm Jane and I'm sober. My sobriety date is this and my sponsor is that, my group is that. Like, I don't, I don't lead with that. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it, it's, it's like, who cares, you know? Um, like a newcomer, like, you know, when I was coming around, somebody, when I heard people talk about, I thought they were full of shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're not, you're not sober eight years or 20 years or 30 years. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, you know, so I mean, yeah, I, I get some pushback from some people, but I also get people going like, oh, thank you. You know, like I read people go like, yeah. oh, thank you. Cause like, I don't know, like if I believe this stuff and like, you're like, you know, you're proof, I'm proof, you know? Yeah. You're living, living proof. That's, right. Yeah. And, and what's, and what's the alternative? Those guys that are still sticking their finger in your face, are they going to be like, you're going to go out and drink, Yeah, <laughs> you know, after whatever, 50 years or whatever it is. Like, and I'm like, like that's insanity. I'm like, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, probably not, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it, at a day, it's a day to time, but my intention is like, I'm never going to drink again. And I tell people that, like I said, you know, yeah. it's funny. Like I did one of the lines I love in the big, but I like to throw throw at them is like, they're talking about permanent sobriety. Mm. You know, I mean, what, what AA has become, what 12 step has become, I think is very different from what they were doing back then. You yeah. know? Uh, you know, I think they were, um, I, I think they were just trying, they, they were just trying to like keep it together and, and help the other, help the next guy, however it is, help the next woman, however it is, you know, and, and, um, you know, now in a lot of places it's become like this religion and I don't think mm. that was ever intended, you know, it, it's, yeah, you, know, you know, the fanatical yeah, religion yeah, and, side of it. You know what? There's a place for it for people who relate to that. Yeah. You know, it's like anything else, but it doesn't. It's not the, I don't know if it's the best approach for someone walking yeah. you know, once, once the di once the doctrine ossifies and, mm -hmm. and and changing it meets with such resistance you know then that's a problem yeah. because you know a, you know it's not 1930 nope. right I mean it's like it's like it's like uh, Christianity to some degree it's like you know in 2000 years things are gonna change a little bit you know oh, yeah. uh, and, and why can't why AA should probably change too a little bit you know? Yeah. I, I get in trouble. Um, because, um, um, and this is to follow on um, Bill Wilson in one of the things, things here, he's an interesting guy, Bill Wilson. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and, and if you, and if you, and if you read, like, if you read his later writings, um, he really opened up. Um, but one of the things he wrote, he, he, he had, he, and again, I'm paraphrasing because like, you know, our literature becomes frozen and, you know, it, it, it's, if I wanted to change it, I'd be crucified by like the fellowship I helped start, you know, <laughs> yeah, well. you know, because, and, um, you know, and, um, and, and there's a thing that he wrote and I'll send it's, um, it's, it's a letter he wrote or an article he wrote. He, he talked about, um, it's called the dilemma of no faith and whatever be said. And it starts, goes in the beginning, he goes, I almost ruined this whole thing with my, uh, with my, with my spiritual arrogance. 
mm-hmm. because God as I understood it had to be for everybody. Right. You know, and he goes, "What? Well, he goes, what well, I realized, like I was closing the door on like all these people, you know, who like mm-hmm. couldn't get that, and um, you know, so and 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 now there's um, oh, I, where I get in trouble, I, I um, I like we need new books. Like we're sitting around reading a book that was written in 1939." You yeah, know? I think that's why it's important to read all of these books that we yes, discussed. And I absolutely. Think outside literature, quote unquote, that's the living program. Like, that's the way I see it. The reason I got so yeah. crazy listening mm-hmm. to books, it's because nature abhors a yeah. vacuum. And as far as I was concerned, there was a huge vacuum in the literature. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think it's great to, like, do all yeah. of these book discussions. Yeah. yeah. And I've told people where I get where I get in trouble, I get fingers pointed at me. I said, we need new books. We don't have to replace the old ones. It's like, keep the books. I mean, they're not going any place. Yeah. But like, you think yeah. we can maybe come up with like a new book, like yeah. <laughs> that addresses, you know, it's that addresses not- people yeah. like me who came in young, who like maybe don't believe in God, who are like, who like might be LGBTQ, who might be people of color, who might be, you know, I have a friend, um, a really close friend up here, and they started um, 12-step AA meetings for autistic people. You know, it, mm. it's like, where's the literature that, because like, we know so much, like, God, like, we know so much more than we did 80 years ago. I said, yeah. let's let's have some new books about that. And it's never going to happen because... Last year, people lost their shit because they changed the preamble from men and women to people. <laughs> and 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 last year they did that. Last year. Not like a few years last, ago. Last oh. year, oh. and and yeah. it was like they changed. And it was like a change from a as a fellowship to a fellowship of people. And there were people who were like, you know, you're killing AA. <laughs> With right. all this woke <laughs> bullshit, you know, AA is that fragile, really? Like, you know, it's all going to collapse. You know, for being. In- but but what, what I tell people is like, you know what? I I, I tell people. He said, I, I I know I have a friend. Goes, we're losing young people, and I'm like, yes, we are. Yeah, because like you know, like I'm here because I have friends. Like what happened? Like I have a community. Like I have, I, I have friends. Like my, you know, I I got the people I live with, you know, like the people I, I, my profession I have because of a friend of mine I got sober with. So I was sitting around watching David, like working on his computer in his apartment in Kew Gardens. I said, Oh, I can do that. He goes, yes, you can come work for me. Right. Hmm. So it's like, they're, they're my friends, but like, I don't, that, that's why I'm here, you know? Um, yeah. But you know, um, the pandemic has been great in a sense because it opened things up. You know, it's, um, it opened up, um, you know, I found, I found you guys because the pandemic yeah. you seen you started a podcast and it's, um, what I love about this, it's community, right? Like, yeah. like you and that, Mike, you and that found each other and like said, Hey, we can stay sober, right? Together. Yeah, exactly. You know, Bill Wilson and Bob Smith found each other in Akron and said, Hey, we, we can stay sober together. Right. Um, you know, and um, there's there's different communities popping up. Um, you know, I, I, I know people, um, there's a woman I know up here and she's, um, you know, the pandemic was a hard time and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things happening, you know, like, you know, um, I don't want to get too much into pop, like, but George Floyd happened, right? 
the George Floyd thing yeah. happened and all that was going on in New York and it was, um, you know, and there's a young, um, like I'm up in Inwood. So, um, you know, it, it's a very diverse community up here, Mike, you know, um, and, um, yeah. there, there were, there were, um, people, um, there, there, there was a, there was a, a guy I know who came in and he was talking about how it affected him as a black man. And there were people on zoom who told him like, that's an outside issue, you know? Um, and he, and he and a, a young woman I know here started, a, you know, a BIPOC meeting, you know, that's thriving now, you know, so it's, um, you know, people like, I believe like, I, you know, like we all found a way to get high. Like I found a way to, to get my drink and my drug and people will find a way to like get their community and get like, and, and get a means to stay sober, you know, and, and there are options now, you know, um, if, if well, that's yeah. the thing. AI is not the monopoly yeah. Yeah, yeah. anymore. There's, there's all these other things available. Yeah. And I think that's great. I think that's the best thing that can happen for everyone. Because you know what will happen? The people who want that, that old, like, 1939 AA, they'll have it. Yeah. That'll stay there. Yeah. That'll be great. It's yeah. still there. Yeah. It hasn't changed it's yet. Great. It's probably not yeah. going to. And, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, like, like, you know, the monsters are doing the monster thing. The dopey nation is doing the dopey nation thing. And the Dharma recovery people are doing the Dharma recovery people thing. You know, and it's, and, you know, it's all out there for people. Um well, and it's a big yeah, tent, yeah. and, and yeah. you know the best recovery program is the one that works. Yeah. Works yeah, we for can you. All help each other. We can all yeah. learn from each other. That's why I love the like ecumenical yeah. approach. Yeah. It's like we can take from everyone. We can all learn about it, and in doing that, we come to the actual yeah. truth. Because this guy's opinion, that guy's opinion, this woman's opinion together, somewhere in the middle, like they say, yeah. the truth yeah. lies. Yeah, and what works for me may not work for you. What may not work for you, and that's okay. And that's right, you know, and, right. What, and we're comfortable with each other's happiness. Yeah, yeah, it's like you know, so it's um, yeah, you know. All right, I think this is probably a good place to to end it. Yeah. Um, we're not going to do the uh, the the documentary uh, discussion this week. Every time, every time we have one of the monsters on, it just becomes so. In, the conversation is just so interesting yeah. that I just don't want to stop and do yeah. the other thing. Yeah, yeah. So, this is this is good. Um, now we're going to go for next week too, so I'm, I'm feeling good I'm about. Docked out. I was watching. Um, <laughs> I was watching some last night. That's why I'm tired. I was up way too late. Um, but um, that was the Take Your Pills documentary. Is that? Yeah, yeah I yeah. heard you. We're going to so, do the. I watched that during the week. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do Take Your Pills Adderall probably next week. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, Alan, I want to thank you for coming on. I think this was an awesome discussion. I think people really uh, are going to get a lot out of yeah, it. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah. Certainly we're an inspiration to the community with that the, the amount of sober time you have and your insights. And, and I, you know, I, for one, grew up with the sort of wry um, touch of cynicism, mm -hmm. New York <laughs> attitude. And so it really resonates with me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I think with a lot of other folks too. So yeah. uh, thanks yeah. very much. Um, I'm going to stop the recording, okay. but I'm going to ask you to just hang on a second because the files have to okay. upload. And yeah, yeah. You need, still need to stay. Yeah, let's do a New York meetup. Yeah, for sure. When you for come sure, down we should to, do when, that. When you come down to the park, you know, it's like it's just a train yeah. right away. It'll be... Um, I think I think we should get on that. We should get on yeah. that for the if we're going to have a West Coast in the fall, we should have we should yeah. absolutely have an East Coast. Yeah, I bet Liz would come All down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you would. Yeah, 
That'd be great. Yeah. Can't wait. Thanks All so right. much, Alan. It's great to Thanks, see guys. you. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to oh, stop oh, oh. the recording now. And we're back. And we're back. So that was fun. The wisened one. Alan. Alan. Good man. <laughs> lots of lots of wisdom. Lots of recovery wisdom in that guy. Yeah, man. You guys get stories for days. It does. It does have um, stories for days. And um, I have a story. You ready yeah. for that story? That story is called Recovery in the News. News. Yeah. All right. Recovery in the news. Recovery. You still can't hear it? Recovery. Recovery. News. Motherfucker. You still can't hear that, can you? On I your think, end? I think it might be bleeding through your headphones, and that's what I'm hearing. Hmm. Why? Because I'm completely off? Because it sounded like I was relatively on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll figure that out if we're going to continue with this Zencaster nonsense. Which I think you're warming up to now that you have... Uh, better equipment am yeah, i right so far so far so then yeah you know that's i was thinking like maybe we could do the second half of the show after work and record it and then put it but you know yeah easy tiger yeah. it's <laughs> one thing at a time <laughs> hang it out all right uh so, news. so this news item has been floating around the uh the internet for the last couple of days i saw it on a variety of different news outlets but i'm gonna Read the one from NBCnews.com. And under the mental health section of NBCnews.com, we have the following headline. Experimental drug for marijuana addiction shows promise, small Mm. study finds. Is it heroin? (laughs) That would be really (laughs) an interesting Medically assisted treatment for weed addiction. <laughs> right off of Small a, amounts of heroin. Uh, as marijuana use in the United States reaches reaches record highs among young people, you see what they did there. Uh, there is a growing need. Get that uh, to address its potential for addiction. Experts say addiction. An experimental pill, the first in a new class of drugs, has shown promise in treating cannabis use disorder, hmm. according to the results of a small trial published Thursday in. Nature Medicine, Mm. the drug known by the uh, memorable name of AEF-0117, was found to reduce the perceived good effects of cannabis by up to 38% in a double-blind randomized controlled phase 2A trial led by researchers at Columbia University. Mm. Um, I've seen this Phase 2A typically means researchers are determining the proper dosage for the next stage of testing. Um, So... That's interesting. Uh, it's interesting because we have a cannabis use disorder diagnosed uh, diagnosis basis, which is the inability to stop using marijuana even when it causes significant disruptions to daily life, such as interfering with relationships or work. An estimated 14 million Americans struggled with cannabis use disorder in 2021. 14 million. Did you know that cannabis use disorder is diagnosed as the inability to stop using marijuana, even when it causes significant disruptions to daily life, such as interfering with relationships or work. Didn't I just say that? Yeah, but I just wanted to say it. 
Okay. That's what cannabis use disorder is. I think you could say that about anything. Um, Gaming is the same. It it seems like a really weird study and pill to take because like, Hmm. so you take the drug or placebo, right? For five days in a row, you take it at nine o'clock in the morning, then you smoke a controlled amount of cannabis three and a half hours later. Like here's your controlled amount of cannabis. And then you are asked questions like, like to rate on a scale, I feel high or I feel, I feel a good effect. Uh, and you, you fill out that questionnaire like five times from 20 minutes after smoking to two hours after. Mm-hmm. And the lower dose of the drug reduced the subjective good effects of cannabis by 19%, while the higher dose managed to re- reduce it by 38%. Now that seems oddly specific to me. Like I'm 38% less high than I would have been had I not taken this, this pill. How do they calculate? It sounds to me like they're doing the whole Vivitrol thing with alcohol. You know, Vivitrol was the, is the drug used to block opioids, but it was developed to kill cravings for alcohol. And yeah. the same thing. What, what was um, Claudia Christian's, um, the, uh, the Schmuller method or uh, the Kandinsky? Sinclair, Sinclair. Sinclair, that's right. So the Sinclair <laughs> method, the <laughs> Schmuller, <laughs> that's the whole thing. It's like, you would take this pill, it reduces the positive uh, feedback that your brain would normally get, and it causes pharmacological extinction, and then your body doesn't crave it. So maybe it's that kind of thing just for pot. Yeah, but I mean, I feel 38% less high. Like, what, it's pretty what does that even mean? Like, it's I'm 38% like- less high, so that means I can more easily stop using cannabis? It seems like a... It's something only a scientist who's never smoked pot before would say. <laughs> it just and it, I mean it doesn't seem like it's that effective. I mean maybe they're maybe they're going to up the dosage in subsequent trials and stuff. I mean I, I'm sure we're going to see more cannabis use disorder issues yeah. coming up as cannabis use increases. But um, I mean I guess the pharmaceutical industry has never found a pill or a market they can't exploit with medication. But it just seems like unlike Vivitrol or unlike naltrexone, which has a proven track record, like stuff like this, like just seems really weird and misplaced like hmm. 38% less high i don't, 38, I don't know I'm anyway willing i don't know take. so yeah where there's um a chance to make money uh, the pharmaceutical companies will spend money developing it yep and that's what it is that's capitalism sort of yeah, close enough. Yeah, Sorry, that's all right. We're working. Well, you've wasted another perfectly good hour and a half <laughs> listening to Mike and Nat in the morning. Well, that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? Yeah, today was a good one. Thank you so much for listening, Alan. Thanks for joining us. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us a twat. You twit. Support your favorite show. That's us. Drop a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, Podbean has reviews. You can give us a rating on Spotify. We appreciate you. Um, find us at the uh, Inner Sanctum where uh, Alan and Liz and Melissa and everybody and Kyle. And now I'm going to get in trouble for not mentioning people. Grant, you know, the whole crew <laughs> is on the Patreon Discord. It's patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages. Come and join us. Um, if you want to dip your toe in the, uh, in the shallow end first, facebook.com. Look us up. There's a a private uh, recovery group. A lot of great people in there. Come and say hello. The best way to help the show is share it with a friend. So if you like 
what we're doing here and uh, want to support the RMA movement, share it with a friend. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. What is that? Oh, progress. progress, not perfection. See you next time. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Be good. Whatever that means to you. Whatever that means to you.